0: Diversity, equity, and inclusion are not new topics. But this year, a lot of organizations got serious about DEI for the first time. They started making meaningful strides in this area. Now, almost half of all S&P 500 companies employ the Chief Diversity Officer. And our guest today is someone who works in a role almost identical to this. But title's a little bit different. He's the Chief Equity Officer. You might be thinking, same thing, right? Well, not exactly. Today's guest knows diversity and equity it can actually mean really different things.
1: My goal is for us to be the most equitable company on the face of the planet. I set that as an intention because we need to always be trying to be on an on a ongoing construction project. Basically, as we think about what our workforces should look and
2: feel like. So
0: how do you go about creating the most equitable company on the planet? That's one of the things we talked about on today's episode to bring it in. When I sat down with Shaquan Lewis, the chief equity officer at Pizza Hut, In his role as Chief Equity Officer, Shaquan is in charge of championing, promoting, and guiding Pizza Hut's equity and inclusion vision, strategy, and initiatives across the entire franchise. Before he stepped into the position, Shaquan was the Senior Director of Express and Director of Legal at Pizza Hut. He's also a Harvard Law School grad and a former business litigator. You might be wondering how a former Harvard Law grad litigator came to be an equity officer at Pizza Hut. And that's one of the many things Shaquan and I talked about on this episode. We also discussed the importance of building a great team.
1: Being in partnership with the right people, with the right framework in place, does give you an opportunity to not only protect your brand, but advance it.
0: Why having a continuous equity plan in place is so important.
1: Whether we mean to or not, I think you're inevitably turning organizations one of two ways, towards equity or inequity.
0: How you can't really be equitable if you treat the C-suite workers differently than the workers who are on the front line every day.
1: We got to make sure the things that are real in our headquarters are real in our stores as well.
0: And what comes after diversity?
1: In no way am I denigrating the concept of diversity, but I'm just suggesting to you that it is part of a journey and it is not the end game.
0: So if you're ready for one of our best episodes yet, then it's time to bring it in.
2: What, what are you able to share some of your goals or vision for where you're going to go in the new role? Yeah, absolutely. I mean,
1: I, I think about us in three dimensions, Sam. So who we are as a franchisor, who we are as an employer, and then who we are as a neighbor. And I'll just just give you a, a couple clicks on each of these. As a, Let's start with as an employer. So as an employer, you know, m- my goal is for us to be the most equitable company on the face of the planet. And, and you know, I set that as an intention and, I, and I'm using that language, equitable and not just diverse. I and mean, maybe we'll unpack that here in a second. But I set that as an intention because we need to always be trying to be on an on a ongoing construction project, basically, as we think about what our workforce should look and feel like. And so our workplace has to have a culture of listening and learning that's deeply grown, we have to be intentional with talent acquisition, talent development, talent retention, all these things that allow us to really model what it will look like for us to be sort of that equitable place that I'm talking about. But that's just not enough in the workplace, right? There's also this idea of who we are as a franchisor, because, you know, 99% roughly of our stores that you go to are owned by our franchisees and not not just us. We have a few, but we're a franchisor is what we primarily do. And so we gotta make sure that things that are real in our headquarters are real in our stores as well. And that takes deep partnership with our franchisees. It also takes extending that culture of listening and learning and belonging, quite frankly, into our stores and then making sure that that's reflected in how we show up as a business. So the way that we market, the way that our food shows up, the communities that we build and develop in, and then also the way that we try to unlock opportunity for our frontline team members, but also the communities that we serve, which is a really
2: big focus across the Yum enterprise. Yeah, it's an inter- interesting situation to be in. Not a lot of people understand the franchising model and ecosystem, right. but the challenge of being a Zor, and also you know the franchisees aren't not your business. How you keep a culture connected, uh, given given that fact and the legal issues around separation of what's you know joint yeah. employer and other 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 stuff that's got to be tough. Absolutely, yeah, it's a it, it's a challenge, right? But
1: you know one of the elegant things about franchising is When you develop a model that works, the next challenge becomes, okay, how do I build this and replicate this with people that we believe in? And so, you know, in my new role, one of the things that I'm also responsible for is all of our partner recruiting. So the franchisees and licenses that come into our business come in through my team as well. And we have a chance to be really intentional and thoughtful about the folks that we give that brand over to. And I'm happy to say, that's one of the things that I think that we've gotten right. We're always trying to get better at everything that we do, but being in partnership with the right people, with the right framework in place, does give you an opportunity to not only protect your brand, but advance it in all the communities that folks come from. You mentioned a
2: second ago, equity versus diversity. What is the difference? It's a big, thank you for, I I forgot I said that. So thanks for directing me back to it. It's a big, it's a big
1: difference, Sam, and you know, the. I guess the thing I want to say is in no way am I denigrating the concept of diversity, but I'm just suggesting to you that it is part of a journey and it is not the end game. So diversity is deeply important. This is what I look at as representational progress or who's in the room or who's around the table. It's important right? because like it's hard to, to build these workplaces that are deeply inclusive, that have deep senses of belonging if any one person is the only one with their lived experience there. So diversity is absolutely important, but you can't stop there. And in- inclusivity is another part in the journey I think is important. This is this idea of not just who's in the room and who's being represented, but do you have an opportunity to exist with a deep sense of belonging, mm-hmm. to authentically show up and be who you are, how you are, and that be okay in the workplace. Also important, but it can't stop there. And, and I say equity is the end game. And that's why I use, use the title that I have because equity is a, is a sort of a deeper interrogation of systemically in an organization who you really are. And that asks you to look at your processes and your practices and your procedures and recognize that whether we mean to or not, I think you're inevitably turning organizations one or two ways towards equity or inequity. And equity is much more, there's this group that we work with here in Dallas called the Imagining Freedom Institute, um, who's helping us go through this model of building an equitable workplace, in. And one of And one of the definitions they use for equity is everybody having what they need, which I really like because it allows you to center the experiences of people. It allows you to think deeply about folks in their bag and where they are and where they're coming from. And it's a reminder that you don't have to lose when we start talking about equity because we're talking about everybody having what they need, which means that everybody's got to have a chance to be in the boat and everybody's got to
2: have resources directed towards them
1: that make sense based on their conditions and where we want to go to have people in that
2: equitable state. Let's say you're a business owner today and you're trying to make your workplace more equitable, more diverse, more inclusive. That's that's a goal. You believe in it for whatever reason you're trying to make it happen. Uh, Where do you think for those listening, where do you think you should start and how do you measure progress? Yeah there's a I don't mean to be
1: plugging all my partners but this is this is an important point Sam because you know just like able to look at any given time and see how we're performing on a promo in a given market like we can dashboard the data that really matters to us that critically I think you have to really deeply assess your organization in the same way to take a snapshot at a picture of time and then as you program against it see where you go so there's actually another group here named Canaries just that, that we're working with based in Dallas. It's a company owned and started by Black women. And what they help us do is not survey our organization, but deeply assess our organization. And I'm asking our folks to spend 20 minutes, go through these 50 questions, and I'm asking questions along the lines of belonging, along the lines of, do you feel like your leaders, does your leadership team say that equity and inclusion matter? Does your immediate coach say that it matters? Do you feel like you can talk about these things without fear of retaliation? What have you personally witnessed? Do you feel like you can belong? And then I ask people to identify at the end of that so I understand how I can splice this data according to lived experience. What does a black woman think? What does a white man think? What do people who identify as transgender think and feel? And I use that and I say, you know, just like we're data forward about all these other things, I wanna be data forward about the way folks feel about our business. And so I look at that and when I see, you know, there's an issue here in this population, like, I, I, w- I would never just look at carry out being too low somewhere and be like, whatever. And so in a case like this, I'm going to be like, you know what, how do we go and program against that, or make sure my coaches are connecting with these groups. And so that type of data intensive approach to really what your people feel, I think is the best place to start, because you don't want to make Broad presumptions about your workplace based upon what you're hearing outside, or based upon what your lived experience is. You got to give people the opportunity to come to
2: the table and share that with you if you ask for that in humility. Sure. The it, it's a, it's almost like a KPI, right? It's, a, it's a, yeah. you're getting towards a core metric. Absolutely. Biggest challenge you think right now that are blocking companies or leaders from doing what you just said? What what do you think the reason is? Because I and I want to not lead you, but just. There's a lot of, and I open up LinkedIn. There's a lot of people talking about a, a lot of stuff. They're, you know, they're, I would argue, thinking of doing. Some are doing a lot of great work, yeah. but, you know, what do you think some of the challenges are as to why this is not already been the norm?
1: Well, first, I first I'd say I'm happy people are talking about it. One one of the things that I think I'm seeing sort of creep into conversations about the corporate context or people pointing at people who are talking and not doing anything and being like just be quiet if you're not doing anything and like I I have a strong bias towards action as well so I definitely hold some space for that but I'm glad we are in a space where people at least feel like they need to come to the conversation with a perspective on the topic of diversity and equity and inclusion and that people need to acknowledge that there's been deep hurt that communities have felt in our country and in our workspaces and so I'm Glad people talk about it, so I just want to lift that point up because I think it's important. Like I don't, I don't think we want to chase people back into the recesses of where we were in the '80s when no one had a thing to say about these issues, right? <clears throat> so that's one piece. But the the reason why I think the challenges are what they are is because it's difficult. Like you know, unpacking and redirecting the status quo was a really, really hard thing. I mean, think about any learned behavior that you have, whether it's you know, you know. I don't know, I won't pick on anything in particular, but just think about the things that you you naturally do and someone asks you to go change that tomorrow. It really does take you time and it's scary. And there are some things that, how many behaviors do people have that they're just unwilling to reinvest in to try to redirect? So there's a deep piece of human nature that like, I think is understandable. But the I think the bigger point I'd make though is one of the big things that folks are, there are two things really. One is that people presume that when we have these conversations that, change and progress necessarily mean the exclusion and the otherizing of folks who have lived in the majority experience and i think if we get this right we're not doing that going back to that definition everybody having what they need so that means that everybody has what they need which means you have to think about everybody and i think there's a lot of fear that folks feel in some cases depending on your lived experience that when this comes who's coming for me who's taking my stuff? And instead, what we're asking folks to do is to draw the circle of family bigger in these conversations and think about what it means to invite people into this deep sense of you having what you need. I think the last point I'd make, Sam, about why there are so many challenges is people look at these problems and you say, like, here's a good example. I was wrestling with this the other day because like, I'm still figuring this out, right? I'm six months into it. I think 60 years into it, I'd still be figuring it out because it's a journey. But I was like, man, what do I do with these big societal issues that come into my workplace. Like if I had the perfect workplace, people would still be bringing these background narratives and these background experiences and these stories and centuries of, of ways of life to the table. What, what the heck am I supposed to do with that? And I think the thing that people should be invited into is an appreciation that moving the ball forward doesn't require you to have a silver bullet. In fact, there's not a silver bullet. And moving the ball forward doesn't require you to say, okay, here's how I'm gonna complete this journey by the end of this year, like we said, these corporate strategies. But instead we move forward. Like, you know, um, was it MLK says, you know, if you, can, if you can't walk, if you can't run, then walk. You can't walk, crawl, but just keep moving forward. Sometimes people have to get in the game. You have to start somewhere. And like, that's perfectly okay. And you have to be okay with making some well-meaning mistakes. And I know that impact is more important than intent, but like there's a lot of space and a lot of grace for folks that are getting on the moving plane to try to move our country, move our businesses, move our societies forward. And so when people appreciate that that is, can, can, be, it can be a starting place, right? Not a, don't pat yourself on the back because you started, but that can be a starting place. You realize that the way that we're trying to approach this work is far more accessible. Than I think a lot of people realize when they look at this big dawning issue and say, how can I solve equity because I care? Well, like, you can't do it alone, but you can be a part of a
2: solution, but you have to be intentional and authentic and humble in the ways that you start. Some companies employ this trickle-down training. It never quite gets to the the people who maybe need it most, who, uh, and, and from a business perspective, I never understood it because a frontline worker could be your next best seller. They could be your next best person on the line. They could be your next franchisee right? You have in your model, you probably have a ton of stories of the the frontline worker that someday uh, earned up and became a franchisee. How do you think about equity when it comes to access to skill training?
1: Oh, I think that's a big part of the game. So as we talk about unlocking opportunity, and you're so right to Stan, I'm just thinking about some of the franchisees who who have been in the business some longer than I've been alive, like cher- my cherished relationships with some of these folks began as cooks and dishwashers and So many stories. So like, you're absolutely right about the ways in which this business in itself, in some respects, represents a pathway to possibility for so many people. But you're absolutely right because equity means equity, which means like if everybody's going to have what they need, then as we push out our best and our most premium content, that means that not only do my folks at headquarters need to get it, but it needs to be real at the store as well. So we we sometimes use the core in the store. If it's real at the core, it's got to be real at the store. And that's absolutely true with content as well. And we just got done, I don't, wanna, I don't wanna like overstep where we are in our journey on this yet, but I can tell you, we just got done um, fielding some research where I did a number of town halls with our frontline employees and had uh, some time to do some real research with the franchisee leaders as well, figuring out where are the places where we know we have high need and high capability to move the ball forward for frontline workers in the communities that they come from. And this was the, the biggest one was, was career growth and development. And so, and what was the, what was the key insight was so many people look at the Pizza Hut universe as an opportunity for these stories that, you're, that we were talking about to be, a, if I'm a team member, you know, maybe being an area coach is the thing that I want to do. I talked with an RGM, a, a restaurant general manager, who told me his dream was to be an area coach because his dad was an area coach with a great area coach who wants to be a franchisee because their franchisee was an area coach. And so we are going to be deeply committed in 2021 and beyond to, I think we've done a fine job with that. But as we think about what it means to really push this concept forward, the career growth and development piece, the journey that we're going to go on through the Unlocking Opportunity Initiative, I expect is going to really give us an opportunity to go deep and make sure that the best ideas the most premium content we have on these topics touches and concerns every level of our organization because that's the only way it makes sense and the last thing i want to say is you you get you get us because not only is the you know not only is the team member our best seller our business is the team member like when you go to pizza hut you are either you're you go and you 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 place the order on your phone with a team member or you use our website that a team member somewhere is, is receiving it in back of house. When you show up at your door, it's with a team member. So like we, we, we literally are the team member and your experience will never exceed that of our team members. And so we take that as like a deep intention and it's a big purpose behind our work in this year and going forward as well.
2: There's a lot of software companies across franchising and, and in the restaurant space. I guess, how do you where do you think technology can be assistive in your journey?
1: Yeah. It's a, I mean, it's a, it's a critical, it's a critical part of what we do. And, you know, technology can be a hindrance or it can be a competitive advantage. And so we, we always seek to make sure it's a competitive advantage. We want it to be easy to operate a pizza hut. We want it to be easy for you to interact with us. If you have an issue and we want to get out of the team members way, we want to enable what it means to like run our restaurants. Well, and technology is, a, is something on which we're deeply dependent to deliver training content to the field as well. And so when we do that, we want to make sure that it's really easy to get. It's easy to understand and it's easy to give us feedback through if, if it's something that's not working for you. So, I mean, I, I hate to, to be overly generic, but it's, I mean, it's a really important part of the ball game and it's something that we think a lot about and continue to try to push forward. And we know, and we hear that it matters and,
2: and on a day-to-day basis to our team members as well. It's a big unlock. Last question. Uh, I've been asking people what their hope is for the future of work, because that's obviously a buzzword that is yeah. trending. Uh, pretty hot right now. What what is your hope for the future of work?
1: Yeah, I hope that. Boy, that's a good. That's a that's a good and deep question. I, I think I have my I have twin hopes. My first hope is that the concept of work move more and more towards looking like people have an opportunity to find the highest and best expression of self in the workplace, and. You know th- that can look like so many things. like there there is such a thing as you know self-actualization in almost any role that that we could contemplate. But that's only true when the workplace deeply honors and respects people, when the workplace takes into consideration the ambitions and the needs of employees. and that's only true when the workplace is is a place where people belong and feel safe and feel uh, included like they're a part of the table. So that that's one piece of it. The next piece of it is I hope that we get comfortable with the ways in which work can be an unlock in personal lives as well. And I've, I've been spending some time about thinking about this a lot because, you know, as a lot of us have the privilege to work from home, which a lot of our frontline employees don't have that privilege, we're seeing the increasing blurring of lines between work and home. And so one of my ambitions and hopes collect for the collective, not just us, but as a collective for the for the future of work is that in a world where those lines are more blurred, we recognize the ways in which work can be a really big unlock for the way people show up at home and the way people show up in their communities as well. And if we can think of the workplace as a way to deliver skills, tools, personal development, not just, not just professional development, um, inculcate values that are indicative of who we would love the communities that we serve to actually be. If we, if we view work as that and not just a transactional thing, companies can do, can, can really have something to say about the ways in which our world operates as well, right? There's a there's a study by which I'm de- deeply counseled, Sam, it says 55% of consumers believe that brands can move uh, the country forward more than the government can. And so in a world where tr- that's true and consumers are betting on us, it's really important that the workplace delivers something else to people of value that they can make real in the spaces that they hold most sacred beyond the pizza transaction, beyond the nine to five, beyond the more programmatic things that we do in life. We can do something deeper if we conceive of work as something bigger as well.
2: That's it, man. That was great. Thanks for joining. Equity means equity. Thanks, Thanks for having me.
0: Powerful things I think Shaquan said is that
1: we mean to or not, I think you're inevitably turning organizations one of or two ways towards equity or inequity.
0: I think this is on the money because I talk to a lot of workforce leaders in every industry. Sometimes I hear people say, Oh, yeah, we've done all our DEI work, we're good. We poured some money into different initiatives, we hired some diverse workers, we invested in certain seminars, so now we can just sit back. They think that they made it to the finish line. Well, what I learned in my conversation with Shaquan is if you have that mindset, which is the mindset where diversity is a one-time thing and you can just do and not make it an ongoing process for everybody in your organization, if that is your mindset. Then like Shaquan said, you're actively working toward inequity. How diversity programming affects everybody across the organization from workers to clients, to company culture, it makes me really excited to watch the Pizza Hut brand in the years to come. You know, at one Huddle, we always say we're all day, every day. And DEI is the exact same thing. There's no middle ground. You're either all in or you're all out. So thank you for joining us today, Shaquan, for sharing your insights and experience with us. Now, as we move to wrap, I want to shout out one of our friends and sponsors, a supporter of the podcast, the Covenant House of New Jersey. For more than four decades, Covenant House has helped transform and save the lives of more than a million homeless, runaway and trafficked young people by offering housing and support services to young people in need, currently reaching 74,000 youth every year. This Friday, members of the One Hole Team will be showing solidarity with the 4.2 million young people who experience homelessness each year by sleeping out for a night. They're giving up their bed so that young people facing homelessness can sleep safely in Covenant House. If you want to get involved, please visit CovenantHouse.org to find out how you can start a sleep out of your own, or donate to Covenant House so they can continue to shelter and protect young people during the COVID-19 pandemic. You know, I must say about Covenant House being based in Newark, New Jersey, the Covenant House in New Jersey was an organization I was introduced to really early on. What surprised me most about the Covenant House was learning that the number one way to help get young people out of homelessness is something that we think about every day. It's a job. It really changed the way I think about the things we do at One Huddle. Then we need to help and support organizations like Covenant House. Now, don't forget to subscribe because in March, we're doing something different. Something a little special. We're bringing two episodes of Bring It In every week instead of just one. Trust me, you're not gonna wanna miss any of them. So hit the subscribe button. We'll see you all next week for two awesome guests we have lined up. And until then, back to work.